So uh, I want to thank you for joining here. I've got a number of people uh, joining, the, uh, big-time influencers and journalists. Uh, so I've never done this before, so I'm kind of winging it here with this Twitter space thing, and we'll, I'll just summarize the story first and open up to some other speakers. But this is a guy – this is a nonprofit organization with a $15 million budget funded by some big people like Mackenzie Scott, um, the Amazon founder Jeff Bezos' uh, ex-wife. And in this tape, this guy is bragging about being evil. He says he's uh, – it's while critical race theory is banned, you can still teach it if you don't call it critical race theory. He says the governor and the governor's wife would be angry if they found out what he's doing. Uh, he – Irrelevant B-roll. We're not doing uh, He talks about their uh, – he talks about influencing children as young as kindergarten age. So – we're on this beat, the secret curriculum we call it, because parents are being lied to and we think that uh, the public should know what's going on as it pertains to kindergartners. Um, so he sells this curriculum uh, and and fr- you know makes money from the state of Georgia and he is on tape violating Georgia state law. So we're looking for a comment from the president of the organization – woman by the name of Sarah Johnson. I did speak to her on the phone. Um, uh, we're also looking for a comment from their board members. And uh, this is a breaking story. It's already got, let's see, 140,000 views on Twitter just just in the last hour, and it's breaking. So that's that's a summary. The content is king, and the stuff kind of speaks for itself. He calls himself evil salesman. Still banned in schools. I would get nailed if anyone found out, he says. So I just wanted to thank you all for for being here and kind of wanted to uh, open discussion with some of our guests here. Uh, I don't know if, Mario, you have a particular person in mind to start with who's on on yet. Yeah, we have both Andy on right now and ALX. Uh, Anyone, you know, who's uh, ready to speak, please feel free to join. Andy, no. Andy, 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 uh, I noticed that um, you – now, I actually – Spoke to Quentin myself yesterday, and I got his Twitter, but he took it down the moment that um, we found it. Uh, the people, oh, by the way, it's very interesting. They always take their social media accounts down, um, which is which is wild. It feels like every single time we do one of these undercover investigations, they ban themselves on social media. But you you found something out. I believe it was his Instagram page where he admits. Uh, some things there and now it's been taken down. But Andy, if you want to weigh in on that and anything else, your comment on this developing story. Hi, James. Thanks so much for um, inviting me to be one of the, the speakers for this. And um, thank you to you and also your your colleagues for uh, another great investigative story. We see the the final edited piece, and you know, from that side, we don't. Maybe outsiders don't realize how much work goes into that. I, me as a journalist, I, I look at this and I can see, wow, this, you know, is a lot of time. So thank you for uh, this package that's been released as, you know, this breaking story. Um, my, some of my initial response, uh, thoughts that I have is that, um, from, from coast to coast in the United States and in so many jurisdictions, state, um, uh, taxpayer money is being used to fund very radical projects and campaigns that the public doesn't um, have really any input in 
or knowledge about how radical they are. For example, there can be even some Antifa allied groups that I've seen in Portland and others who have received millions and millions of taxpayer money. Um, in this case here, um, taxpayer money is spent to buy these curriculums that this um, Dr. Quinton Bostick uh, writes, and as he plainly says in these recordings, that um, he circumvents the um, Georgia State Department of Education ban on K-12 CRT material simply by just omitting those words. Um, Chris Rufo and many, many other um, conservative grassroots activists and independent journalists have for months um, have been trying to inform the public about how um, CRT is taught in state schools without explicitly using that label. And of course, we are always uh, gas uh, gaslighted and told by people like um, um, those on MSNBC that CRT is only taught in legal uh, academic settings, that is a right-wing conspiracy theory to say that it's being taught to children. Um, plainly, that's not true. You could see that, and it's nice now we can see it on video, at least for Atlanta. Um, and I, I think what the public needs to understand about why CRT is so dangerous as an ideology is that it, it teaches explicitly racial grievances in the way that it, the paradigm that it explains um, what it views as injustices in the world places blame on certain racial groups. And to teach that to children, I think, is uh, I, I'm in agreement with those who view it as uh, as abusive and a form of ideological, political indoctr indoctrination. Um, those are my initial comments. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you, Andy. And, and one of the things that you uncovered, because you kind of have a knack for unearthing their uh, comments they've made before they got caught, this is an Instagram post from... Dr. Quentin Bostick, that's Dr. Quentin Bostick. He's tagged on Twitter. That's the same exact Instagram. Has, has he taken his Instagram down yet? I believe he has. We'll find out in a moment. He says, quote, this is, this is a public statement that Quentin made. It's not on video, but it was on his Instagram. After Governor Kemp uh, created this law, 11 to 2 vote, the Georgia Board of Education voted to oppose the teaching critical race theory. Um, he said, quote, so I'm definitely not about to stop teaching CRT, and it's the foundation of my dissertation research. Now, what you gun do, that's what Quentin Bostick said. So he's said these things before, Andy. You found that screenshot, and we'll probably, we probably should tweet that out here. Um, Indeed, yeah. Like, I'm actually going to post it now. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll retweet you, Andy. If you post that, if you post that Instagram caption, it's a caption from June 7th, 2021. Um, let's go to some other people on the on the on the air here. Again, forgive me, I've never done this before. So, yeah, yeah. There we go. Who else? No worries. I'm here, impressions? James. We have we have ALX next. I think I think we should give the ALX. ALX what are your thoughts on this breaking expose? You know, another uh, great drop as always. Um, so my initial reactions are uh, basically just how pervasive this is. Um, they, they want you to think that the, these things don't exist. Um, but then time and time again, we, we get these people in their own words telling uh, exactly what their agenda is. 
Um, and for the people that say, uh, they say critical race theory doesn't exist. Um, these people are using the word critical race theory and then saying, we're going to teach it to kindergartners. And the way we're going to do it and subvert the law is by not calling it critical race theory. So by like robbing it of its, uh, if what it actually is, they're denying not only does it exist that it's being taught, but that's, that's exactly how they're going about, you know, getting it in these schools is getting it like snuck under the radar. Um, so I, I think those are just my initial comments um, on how, like the actual strategy of these people that are trying to get, get it into schools is first denying its existence and then to just not calling it that and, you know, flying under the radar and subverting the law. So I'd really like to see, you know, what comes out of this and for somebody to admit basically that they're breaking the law to see some accountability here. And, you know, hopefully it, it dissuades other people who might be doing it. And, and again, like, like I said, just when you think there's like, you know, no one's doing this and like the media is trying to make us believe that no one's doing this. There's just video after video of these people in their own words saying exactly what they're doing. Um, and it's frankly like disturbing when, when you see like that they're going explicitly after like kindergartners, it's just, you know, disturbing. Uh, thank you. Um, one second, we got an echo here. I was just going to say, I'll chime in there. You know, I think that ALX, you know, hit the nail on the head with uh, what he was saying about accountability. Uh, James, I don't know if you, you might want to just, for some of the audience that hasn't necessarily uh, been following the secret curriculum, this is, uh, we've been putting out quite a few of these education related stories over the last few months um, that have resulted in some, some pretty big uh, results and impacts. So I don't know if you just want to, you know, give anybody a, a quick little update on uh, where some of that, that stands. Yeah, we did a story on, you know, this is the series of tapes on education we've been doing. We we believe that the children, not messing with children or taking advantage of children or abusing children is something that's really above politics, um, especially kindergartners. Like Quentin Boston talks about kindergartens. We did a story in Greenwich, Connecticut, where the guy said we don't hire people over the age of 30. He was responsible for hiring all, all, all employees. This story uh, and that prompted an attorney general investigation in Connecticut. That's that's a democratic leaning state, whereas this story is uh, the governor's office is a Republican office. In New York City, we did a private school director uh, touting sneaking her agenda into the classrooms, uh, going after people for their skin color. This is a woman named Norris Jennifer Norris. Remember her Trinity School? She was fired. Uh, Chicago, the, the famous butt plug dean. Now, what's interesting is our undercover journalist was the same undercover journalist who did the so-called butt plug dean story as who did this story. So he's back-to-back rock star, Project Veritas, uh, very uh, talented journalist. Uh, so we're kind of on this beat on education, and um, it's making a difference. You know, ALX, you mentioned accountability. That's the number one thing I'm hearing from every se- sector of society right now is no one's held accountable for anything. Um, and it, there, it, there's sort of a nihilism in, 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 in politics, rightfully so. Nothing matters. Not, no one's held accountable. You know, it's sort of, it's this sort of existential nihilism, I call it. No one believes that anything matters anymore. But obviously what Veritas does is catch them in their own words. And I think the ultimate accountability is them on tape, right? They're, they're caught saying the thing, and um, 
and people like when they're confronted, hint, hint. So let me go back to who's there. Well, Mario, Eric Spracklin, who else is here that we want to ask for their opinion on this tape? So, so we're, we're, we're waiting on a couple people that we've requested. I, know, I can see Ian Miles Chong is on. We, uh, if you'd like to hop on and, and speak a little bit. I, I, I see Jim, Jim Paff. Are you there? Jim? We also requested, we also requested it to Jim. It, it's Jim, there. can you hear me? All right, Jim, let's see if Jim chimes in. And uh, Ian Miles, are you on there? Yeah, but a couple of you guys have the uh, have the invite, so just uh, join up as soon as you can, and uh, we'll get you appointed a speaker. Let's see. Let's see who else is on, guys. We can we can go to Sarah Carter. Are you there? So so while we so so while we we wait on this, a couple of people to to hop on here as a, as a speaker, I I did have something I wanted to bring into the queue here for everybody. And to the point of the CRT being disguised as DEI, that's basically the crux of what is being discussed in this video. Um, Teaching Lab is actually operating in about 24 states. Um, My question is, how many different uh, states do we have Quentin Bosics operating in? You know, how many people out there still exist? And, you know, what are they actually doing behind the scenes and how many states actually prohibit CRT? So I think, you know, Quentin Bosick might have been this one person we exposed, but just how many of them are there, right? And I see, I think, Sarah Carter just joined as a speaker. So maybe, Sarah, if you want to chime in on that, uh, that might be a good way to kick you in. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, thank you so much for having me on. Um, James and Project Veritas, another super expose uh, and report uh, that exposes what is happening in our country and particularly with our children. And I think what was so fascinating to me as a mom, and I'm going to come to you from a, you know, a different perspective, not just as a journalist. I think the journalists, the work here is, is stellar because it's, it basically shows the American public what they don't know, what is happening inside the school systems. And I remember, you know, in Virginia during uh, the election for governor in Loudoun County, I had a lot of friends that had their kids in Loudoun County. And if I don't know if everybody remembers this, but there were so many issues with CRT, with other issues with the school system. And that was really what propelled parents, whether they were Democrat or Republican, um, to to stand up to the school system and to really start taking charge of their students and of their, of their children. Um, and this is the, this is what this does for me. When I saw this report, I'm thinking to myself, well, what's really going on in the school is my daughter, is her curriculum, um, what they say it is, uh, do we need to spend more time investigating? And I think that puts the onus on the public as well to, when we see things like this to say, well, wait a minute, Maybe we need to do a little bit more digging and find out what's happening in our own school systems. And, you know, and I think that exposés like this do just that. And, you know, I have to say, Andy, you know, you did you've, incredible work that you've done as well um, in exposing what was happening, uh, uh, you know, for, for years now with, with groups. And but something like this, James, I think the reason it's so effective is because this does deal with our children. Um, it deals with the fact that our children, uh, you know, they're driving a wedge, I really believe, between parents, just as was stated by this doctor that was exposed. It, it drove a wedge 
literally uh, they're trying to between the parents and students and, and between their children. And I think that uh, something like this, I, I certainly hope that the governor of Georgia takes this seriously enough and a full investigation is launched and, and people are exposed and this is shut down. Yeah. You know, um, my comment on that is I think that we're trying in, at Veritas to bring people together with our journalism and, um, uh, this, this guy refers to himself as a quote, evil salesman. Now, hint, hint, one of the more cinematic things you'll ever see in your life. People always say, what's next? I actually spoke to this guy myself, really. And, uh, that probably will release tomorrow or Thursday. It's really one of the most extraordinary conversations you'll ever see in your life because the, the, the Orwellian double think was on full display because he kept denying, you know, language has no meaning. But, um, he does say here that, uh, he wants to sneak the critical race theory into the classroom, including the kindergartners, by disguising it as something else. He says, quote, the goal is to get the kids to influence their parents to make the ideological shift, too. So I think that we can all agree it's not a good idea to to have this horrible influence on children. At least I hope we can. Um, and that that's what it's we're trying vector. to focus on here. You know, it's a it's a vector of. Uh pushing ideological change and professors, you know, the ones who teach DEI, CRT, all this stuff, they talk about it. They talk about using kids who are, um, you know, ones who don't really fit in and, and using them because they're very easy to manipulate, very easy for them. To, it's very easy for them to find uh, that they want to have a sense of belonging, right? So they get these kids and then uh, these kids become evangelists and they push this message on their peers and on their parents. And then, you know, you look at TikTok, right? There are so many videos of people talking about getting their mom to accept their, you know, gender identity or whatever, right? And uh, there are cases where, I mean, in, in a lot of cases, the, the parents simply don't accept it or their siblings don't accept it. And that just leads to the destruction of families, the ones that don't accept this uh, nonsense. And the ones that do, they become evangelists themselves. They're like, well, my child is trans and uh, I, I want for my child to live in a world where they feel accepted. And so they too become evangelists. You know, and uh, while waiting for James to get up, I mean, the, the work that he's doing and Andy's doing, I know Sarah Carter's done a whole lot of this, is is really critical to help us uh, figure out how to expose the, the real dangers that, that come with, with these efforts. And, you know, for me personally, I mean, the public policy should absolutely be we need to teach kids academic stuff. We don't we don't have to cast the net wide to all these other things that distract children from being able to get to where they need to go. And this lack of focus on academic pursuits is really problematic, especially when you look at what was going on in Virginia recently with uh, uh, certain uh, honors certificates being held back. But uh, anyway, what James is doing just one of the most uh, fantastic bits of journalism that's taking place out there. And I, and I know I, that's not to say anything less of what Sarah and Andy and Alex do, but this, this is really key stuff. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so glad to see what James is able to accomplish here. Um, if I don't, if you don't mind, this is Sarah. I just want to chime in really quickly. I totally agree with you, Jim. I think that what James has been uncovering here is really just the tip of the iceberg 
I believe this is happening and has happened much more frequently than we can ever imagine. And you're, you're right. You go back, you look at what happened in Virginia just recently, go back even a little bit further to what I mentioned uh, in Loudoun County. And then the issue of parents, actually, I remember the whole, I remember the whole scandal and all of the reports coming out as parents being, uh, being uh, marked as domestic terrorists for like speaking out against the school boards. Let's not forget about that and how some in the DOJ were reflecting on the parents that were standing up and saying, wait a minute, I want to see what my kids are learning. I want to know what's happening in my district with my tax dollars. And um, so it is not only meant to drive a wedge between the child and the parent, but this type of curriculum very much is political. When you think about it, um, it, de it has a tendency to be very um, ideological and it has that, that type of ideology is intent on shifting and changing the culture. I believe uh, the American culture and uh, the ideology being much more Marxist in my opinion than anything else when you're dealing with issues of equity principles and all of those, all of those issues that are taught uh, with CRT. And Sarah, to, um, to, I was sorry, really quickly, Sarah, just to your point, I, I love what you just said there about uh, the, the wedge here between the kids and the parents. There is a, a part on the video where Dr. Bostic says that the goal of driving CRT and DEI, well, DEI is the made up, you know, hiding term <laughs> that they're using here, but really right. CRT uh, is to, quote, get to get the kids to influence their parents to make the shift too. So now, you right. know, obviously, you know, if they not only do they want to drive this uh, difference between and separate, you know, the, the kid actually belongs to the community, not to the parents. Now you, always, you actually go a step further here and you actually want the parents to join in the community, right? The community that they envision is the, the right community, right? The community of thought that they have. So if yep. you, anyone wants to comment on that. I'll regret. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I mean, uh, it, it goes back to what I was saying, right? This is about driving wedges. It's about, you know, dividing families or turning them into evangelists, right? And the parents become evangelists because they want their kids to live in a world that seems fair and equitable or inclusive. I think that's uh, the term they use, inclusive, to their lifestyles, their, you know, this, this nonsense. And more so than that, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, you don't even need to say that it's of your opinion, right, Sarah? Because, like, they openly state that, you know, like, this is what Black Lives Matter stated on its own website, that its purpose was to dismantle Western civilization, to dismantle, uh, you know, the patriarchy or the kiriarchy or um, Western traditional values, because they consider that to be oppressive. They don't explain exactly how it's oppressive. They just say that it's inequitable and that through DEI or CRT, they're able to achieve this utopian vision, which, I mean, to any sane human being, you're going to look at it and think, that's dystopian. That is messed up. That is not civilization. And we're seeing the effects of it right now, where kids are being openly racist to each other, right, uh, to white kids uh, in particular, and to Asian kids, uh, telling them that, you know, you're oppressors. That, so we can we can do whatever it is we want. We can say whatever we want. Uh, and, and you can't fight back because that would be racist because you are historical oppressors and we're simply, you know, reclaiming our, our, our humanity by being inhuman. And it's, it's just, it's mind boggling that this stuff is, you know, it's, it's sold in, in such a way that it seems like it's a good thing, right? A lot of people sign on right. with it. A lot of corporations, they, they give money to, to these organizations, millions of dollars, possibly even more. 
to these organizations. And, and I'm not talking like George Soros, right? I mean, he knows what he's doing. I'm talking like regular corporations. Target will sponsor drag events or CRT events, uh, you know, and, and, and companies will, will have these seminars and they'll hire these, uh, these Ibram Candy style people. They're, you know, it's like a whole cottage industry of these guys to teach. Uh, 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 workers as well as their families, even in some cases, uh, on how to accept this sort of new paradigm, this new uh, uh, ideology, if you will. It's insane. Right. Well, uh, thank you. This is James O'Keefe again here. Um, just want to point out that um, the video is going viral right now. Uh, there is a law in the state of Georgia that makes this unlawful. And I have the, we've printed out the statute here or the, the resolution of the state board of education. It was the uh, Fulton County school board meeting, uh, HB one zero eight four, um, and enactment legislation making this prohibit. I'm just going to read it out loud. So you understand that this is what this guy is saying is, a, is unlawful. He says no federal grant shall be applied or federal funding accepted if such grant or funding requires or encourages teaching of concepts or implementation of the practices of critical race theory, or if such grant or funding requires or encourages training teachers in such concept or practices. This guy admits to us on this tape, he's got private companies, he's selling this curriculum, and he says he's going to be, quote, nailed by the governor. If anybody finds out, you know, he, you know. I also wanted to say another thing to all of you. We've got about 3,000 people. Again, this is the first time I've ever done this like this. So I just wanted to say that Project Veritas, someone commented on Twitter how does Project Veritas get these people to say these things so openly? I mean, listen to this. It's almost like a Saturday night live sketch of what you might think they would say, you know, as the proverbial uh, fly on the wall. And here's what I have to say to that. Um, it's a ton of work, money and time for our investigative journalists to do this. I mean, they're out in the field for months and, um, you know, we're a nonprofit organization. We take no advertising money. Nobody controls us. Nobody tells us what to do. The media obviously doesn't operate that way. Brought to you by Pfizer. Brought to you by Pfizer. No one's – this isn't brought to you uh, by any corporate interest that that dictates our agenda. So we are a nonprofit organization, and we are run by donations. I just wanted to let you know, and, and the brave journalist who did that, who is unnamed, although you can hear his voice as he's recording, you can see the lips moving of this guy, Quentin. Another thing we do at Project Veritas is we don't report anonymous claims where you can see their face when they're making the claim. So I would just encourage you to donate, even if it's $10 or 100 bucks. If you appreciate this sort of journalism, we certainly don't put it behind a paywall, um, and we don't yet have subscribers. So just, just I just want to say that. We're a nonprofit organization. Um, we have a lot of legal bills. People are trying to take us down, and, and we could use your donations. It's uh, uh, Project Veritas dot com projectveritas.com backslash donate to help us continue this type of work um eric and mario who else should we uh, throw to here in the twitter spaces okay james so we got a couple more people on uh i know viva just jumped in and then uh I'm, I'm also working on if you guys remember our hasbro whistleblower david johnson uh let's first go to um let's first go to viva Frey. i'd like his legal perspective on this uh guy admitting to circumventing the law, which is a board, state board of education. Then we'll go to David Johnson, one of our whistleblowers from Hasbro. Aviva, are you there? Yeah, James, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. Well, look, I, I just tuned in to listen now, so I don't know that I necessarily have any commentary on the actual content of this, other than to say 
you're doing the Lord's work in terms of actual journalism. And I came to learn and not necessarily to commentate. So I'm sitting here, I'm listening. It's amazing. I'm sharing it around on our locals community. So people come in here and listen. But uh, th- what's going on in Loudoun is nuts. The, the, the information comes out sure as sugar over time. And you learn that not only were bad things happening, people knew about the bad things that were happening. People tried to cover up the bad things that were happening. And then when the bad things that were happening that they tried to cover up came out, Everyone tries to plead ignorance, um, but no. I, other than that, no commentary just yet. I'm, well, I, I, I would say one thing for you to process as you take a look at this video and evaluate the, the laws in Georgia is it's very rare that you get one of these PhD guys, doctor. This guy's a PhD. He's project manager of a, a large nonprofit with a fifteen million dollar budget. Educator in Georgia. Is you very rarely get them on tape saying, "I am breaking the law." That's what this guy says. He says, "I I am an evil salesman." And I'm doing this, and if the attorney general, governor, found out, I would be, quote, nailed. It's very rare, Viva, that we get sort of people dead to rights like this. So the question now is, and I think the question I'm speaking on behalf of thousands of people here, maybe even a million people, is what's going to happen to this guy? And I don't know, you're, Viva, you do a pretty pretty good job of, of getting into the weeds on prosecutorial discretion and 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 the laws here in in is is anything going to happen to this guy? This is a Republican administration in Georgia, but uh, the county district attorney might have jurisdiction. That's Fulton County, Georgia, um, and the other county is Cobb County, Georgia. So it's just just an open open question, question there. It's a legal question because I think everyone craves accountability in this country. Well, I, I'm going to do what, I'm going to do what what bad lawyers do. I'm going to punt it because I have. I, I don't have enough information to even uh, offer an assessment yet. I'm going to listen. I'm going to look into it. But what, what I, James, I want to flip the question on you. Set aside my, my Quebec attorney legal opinion on all this, which I, I have none except for what I already believe. My question to you is, how do you get the people in to do this? Is it how do you get the people to sit down and open up and be honest in a setting where they think they're comfortable to release the, the dirty details. Well, um, I'm speaking on behalf of my journalist team because they've, they've given me that responsibility. Uh, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but, and uh, I'm, I'm actually sitting in the room. I'm on audio now only, but my, the journalist who did the story is actually smiling like a Cheshire cat right now. <laughs> he's looking at me, giving me a little fist bump, but he's not going to say anything. Uh, because he's still undercover in, you know, in all different various contexts, and I don't want to compromise his, his likeness so that he can get more information. Um, I think it's about building a rapport with people and getting them to – being likable. I think it's about making it not about you when you're speaking to a subject. In other words, you're, um, you're focusing on them and you're showing them that you're interested in them as a person. And in, in politics today, everyone's sort of like a narcissist. They talk about themselves a lot. I think in journalism, I think most journalists are probably narcissists. Nowadays, but our yeah. journalists are not. Our journalists don't have bylines. Our journalists don't – they don't see their faces. Our journalists are selfless. Our journalists spend many nights in hotel rooms all alone. Um, they spend many months trying to corroborate the information. So I think it's uh, – there's a manual that we, we give out, a training manual, where it, you really have to focus on also looking all around you, being interested in people, looking for corruption all around you, keeping your wits about you. Um, many people think, oh, you meet all these people on a dating app. No. I mean, many of these people we meet like at a train station. 
Um, one of these education subjects we met in an airport, in an airplane PSA line. So you know, some of South by Southwest, et cetera. So I think it's the, there's a lot to say, but I think the, the primary primary method is to express express interest in other people and listen to what they have to say. And you'd be amazed at what people will tell you when you do that. I think I summarized it. My undercover journalist is giving me a thumbs up here, so I, I just speak <laughs> on his behalf. Um, and there's many other techniques, and but that's the the bottom line there. Um, yeah. Why don't we go to and Viva? I look forward to you know I'll, I'll send you. I think we're you know Eric and Mario. We should tweet out um, screenshots of this these laws in Georgia so that our yeah. audience can uh, have them, and maybe yeah. tag Viva in the tweet so he's got a copy of that, even though he's a Quebec lawyer. Absolutely. I mean, hell, Viva, you're better than most American lawyers as far as <laughs> well, I'm concerned. I don't have I, a lot of I, good experience with lawyers. so I, I'm good with stuff. I, I think I said Loudon instead of Fulton, but the b- bottom line, I, I, I don't know the details of this yet. Well, but... we'll, we'll give you the details. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll post, the, we'll post the, uh, some screenshots of the Georgia Board Resolution, the Fulton County School Board meeting, because we're trying to understand it ourselves here. Um, this is Bill 1084 as passed House and Senate. So we'll post all the stuff, email it to you. Um, okay, let's go to um, let's go to one of our whistleblowers. I'd love to hear a take from um, David Johnson. Are you there, David Johnson? Are you there? I think he's, speak, I think he's muted now. Yeah. Okay, yeah, David Johnson, if you could unmute yourself. There's a little unmute button there. Yeah, and for the for yeah, those that, mic is off. for those that uh, that are unfamiliar with David, while he's uh, getting his mic situated, uh, he was our, our Hasbro insider. You know, back in uh, July of 2021, uh, he came forward from you know the the toy manufacturer Hasbro. Um, they had partnered with the Conscious Kids, and they were they were pushing critical race theory as a you know an acceptable mindset amongst not only employees, but they were incorporating okay. into um, you know their toys. And, and David was a packaging engineer there. Um, you know, and he came forward to us to, to really kind of expose all of that initially with the CRT going on, uh, with children's toys. So, um, if you haven't seen that story yet, I, I encourage everybody to go, you can check it out on projectveritas.com. Um, but if you just search, you know, Hasbro, David Johnson, uh, you'll see quite a bit of information. It's kind of crazy, right? I mean, to think about, to even talk about the idea that they're pushing a political ideology through children's toys. I mean, if you told me that 15 years ago, I'd say you're crazy, but now it's happening. We have proof. And I feel like the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it because they're part of it, you know? Well, the mainstream media is less exciting than Project Veritas, obviously, because it's more thrilling and and exhilarating to see their faces and, and watch their behavior. Um, okay, Eric and Mario, who else? I want. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I, I think Scott Pressler just joined, and I think he's. Uh, if you would like to speak a few words on on this latest video, it'd be great. Scott's on. I don't know if, it's, if Scott Pressler can hear us. He's also muted. Him? Yeah, he's he's as a speaker here. Oh, okay. He's also muted as well as David is also muted. Um, okay. We'll wait, we'll wait on them to join here in a bit. So, um, my question here for, for the, uh, audience or, you know, for the people who are speakers is, I don't know how familiar you, you guys are with Georgia specifically, if this is an issue that's ongoing. I know, for example, that, uh, critical race theory has been debated 
frequently in the House and the Senate there in Georgia, um, obviously given the fact that critical race theory is banned in the state. Um, now that we know that Governor Kemp was mentioned by name, apparently his wife, according to Dr. Bostic, is involved in education, and he fears, quote, that he would get nailed if the, they found out. What does anyone, you know, pro- potentially know or think, um, you know, that, that not only his employer te- uh, teaching lab, but the government of Georgia can do to um, enforce its existing rules on critical race theory? Well, I, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm James and it's Jim Paff, just glad to be here with you. I have to say that what, what is so amazing about what Project Veritas is able to do and the brilliant methods that you've brought to bear to get to this information. I mean, it, it just helps parents and people that are really concerned to be able to know where the problems are. And uh, your job is to be a journalist. I, I do the political thing often. But I just think it's really important that parents and concerned people, uh, you know, really take in the information you're bringing out, study it and look at it closely. And they just need to take that information to the people who can do something about it. It's often uh, elected officials, and but it's just they're going to their schools and expressing concern. And the more you do that, uh, really uh, good things can happen. I think the important thing about what Project Veritas gets done is, is you just do the tools using some of the most fantastic journalistic methods available to be able to, to give people an understanding of what's really going on. We, we really just don't have enough of that in this country. And, and you're amongst the very few, maybe near almost, I mean, you and, and Andy know, I know does some amazing things too, but I think what you've been able to bring to bear here, people need to understand what's happening. So people in Georgia need to look very closely at this information, watch the video, listen and follow the things that you're putting out so that they can, they can have the tools they need when they go and talk to people who could do something to change this. Yeah. And uh, Jim, you know, send it to the governor's office. So he says he's going to be nailed by the governor. What does the governor think? Um, Send it to the attorney general, send it to the DA. There's 3000 people on this uh, call right now. Um, what I would ask you, people say, well, there's 3,700, 3,600 people on this call. So I would ask you guys, if you're listening to me, please uh, email this video to your the elected officials there, uh, Bolton County DA, um, school board officials, the governor's office. Email the video and say, what are you doing with this information? Okay, by the way, our video has just crossed a quarter million views in about 90 minutes, which is really great. Um, so good to be back on Twitter, by the way. This is our... Our uh, was our first video after we I think it's our first after first bombshell after back on Twitter because we got after the butt plug guy that was afterwards. So I'm back on but I call him the butt plug dean. Uh, The the New York Magazine doesn't refer to him as butt plug. They refer to him as sex education guy. Right. They call it sex education, which is really the problem in in journalism media these days is that they double speak. They use hyperbole. They use obfuscation. They change the words. We all know they do this, but it's interesting to point out how they do it. They refused to say the words butt plug. They said that I was attacking a sex education guy. First of all, I'm not in the attack business. I quote people. We quote people for a living. There's a difference between attacking someone and quoting them. Reporters quote people. Politicians attack people. Um, so we quoted this guy, and he said that he gives out butt plugs to uh, underage girls. 
and the and the, the New York Magazine reporter said that we were doing a story on a sex education. We don't do sex education stories at Project Veritas. That's not our beat. But if you're breaking the law or you're um, you're 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 sodomizing underage girls and things of that nature, then that's that's newsworthy. That's interesting to us. So um, so the video is at a quarter million views, and um, I appreciate all of you for getting the message out. We have another about 10, 15 minutes. Mario, yeah, just, who's next? So, uh, Tiffany, uh, I, I think you're on. Uh, I was speaking with Tiffany uh, earlier. She is the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Uh, so, Tiffany, if you just want to, um, you know, share us your thoughts as, as a mother and, you know, as a founder of this group, um, you know, what is it that, that you take from this and, you know, of all this stuff that's happening, I guess, in the classrooms in America these days? Yeah, we're incredibly thankful for Project Veritas for bringing this stuff to light and really getting it out into the mainstream, because a lot of you have said the mainstream media is ignoring this, um, but American parents on the ground are feeling it very directly. So we started this organization in 2021, January. I'm a mom of four. I was a school board member. I saw this very directly in my district. Um, and parents every day are dealing with this, where their children are, um, there's a wedge being driven between the parent and the child. James Lindsay talks often often about the fact that this is the building of the Red Guard in America. Um, and we need to take it very, very seriously. Um, they put a hook in the child's heart and lead their head where they want the head to go. And they cash in on the inherent empathy of children. So this gentleman talks about kindergarten. Um, that should be shocking to everyone in America that children are being divided in kindergarten. But we're feeling it and seeing it. You know this work, the CRT, by the fruits of what... It, it shows in the family. Uh, we had a, a family in Williamson County, Tennessee, a biracial child who didn't want anyone to know that their dad was white um, because white people were bad. And, um, you know, we're coming off of Martin Luther King Day. This is not the future that American parents want for their children, for their children to be divided. So thank you for showing this and being so bold and brave. And we will do everything we can at Moms for Liberty to spread this information. That's really the, what we would ask you to do. People say, how can I help? I mean, the, the, the number one thing you guys can do to help is spread this around, right? I mean, it's this guy. This is accountability. And people say, what what what, what matters anymore? I mean, having the guy on tape, and I'm just going to read these quotes again for those of you who've joined us. Some people are visual learners. Some of them are audio learners. Um, quote, I would get nailed if anybody found out. That's how you get away with it. There's a subtle way of teaching um, in order to disguise this as not as CRT but as DEI. If you change what you refer to it as, then you can do it. This is what this guy is saying. Um, by the way, some of these stories are all <laughs> – it's about the lying. Quote, I would say I'm a good salesman, but I'm also an evil salesman. If you don't say the words critical race theory, you can technically still do it. The Georgia state government has no clue what is in my curriculum. And I'm like, this is great. This is good. He smiles with a huge grin on his face. Um, Governor Kemp is, I'm quoting him now. Governor Kemp is such an idiot. Like his wife does a lot of stuff on education here in Georgia. I would get nailed if Governor Kemp's wife found out. Now, Governor Kemp's wife, for those of you who don't know, is a school teacher, educator. She's an educator. Um... If they come and take my business license, I can keep consulting. The goal is to, quote, get the kids to influence their parents to make the ideological shift, too. So there he says it. This is Dr. Bostic saying that the goal is for the kids to change their parents' views. 
Um, that's Mao, James. That's Mao. That's the building of the Red Guard. They use the children to convert the parents. I don't disagree with that. Uh, it's one of the scarier things in my career to see um, to see the, the sort of – I don't know what to call it. It's almost irrationality that the substance of what you're doing uh, – uh, changes if you change what words you use to refer to it and this guy's definitely we know he's got a dissertation in critical race theories also we also understand about dr bostic that he's a deconstructionist so he's an expert in deconstruction theory uh and his dissertation was actually banned so uh that's kind of evil i always felt it's, that the orwellian double think was evil it's what yuri besmanov would call language pollution they take one word, and everybody knows what that word means, and they change the meaning of it. Or if a word is dirty, right, a word that everybody's aware of, like CRT, and they, they disguise it as something else. So suddenly, you know, they try to gaslight you, right? If you say CRT is bad, this is CRT, they'll, they'll be like, no, this is DEI, you're being hysterical. And, and, and Ian, that's a great point you actually just brought up, Yuri Bezmanov. I was speaking with James just yesterday about Yuri, the KGB defector. To your point there, Tiffany, as well. Uh, he also says in an interesting way is that, you know, a person like Dr. Quentin Bostic, he obviously comes off as a, you know, he, he believes in this neo-Marxist ideology, right? Where everything is relative. Uh, and he believes also that he potentially has this massive influence and he's going to be part of this new society, right? When it's, when it comes to fruition. The interesting thing is, as Yuri Bezmanov said, is the, the head of the, of the Marxist movement, for example, at the time, the KGB, they kept lists of the communist allies that they had around the world that were helping them spread the revolution. But just at the point when the revolution was successful in that specific location, the KGB's first move in that new country was to get rid of every single communist ally there for the simple fact that they knew too much. They knew too much of the revolution. They did too much to, to do the cultural revolution. And they, not, not only are they not necessary, they actually are a danger to the new society because they know too much and they're a risk to the powers that come into it. So it's which is really so, interesting Mario, we, you, Mario and I had this conversation together on the phone when this tape came out and and again, you guys ain't seen nothing yet because what we have coming out tomorrow possibly Thursday um, is what we have coming out is unbelievable. The conversation between me and this guy is truly unbelievable because you'll see evil uh, what what he means when he says um, I'm an evil salesman. But, you know, Mario, it's like um, it's this whole idea that uh, it, words don't have meaning, yeah. and um, it's qu it's quite ironic. We're talking about in the context of education. By the way, for those of you who don't follow Project Veritas litigation, the New York Times made this argument in the New York State Court of Appeals that words don't have meaning. The New York Times. So so isn't it funny that our newspapers and our schools are telling us that words don't have meaning? Yep. Those exactly. Are the last institutions you'd think would say that. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it it goes to show, James, just how far you know this cultural revolution that some of the people like Quentin Bostic have have really pushed in our society. It's it's their willpower is is truly incredible. And and I see here that Emerald Robinson just joined. If you want to chime in a little bit, up to up to you. I see that you're on, but uh, I think this is a, a very important discussion to have about our society as a whole, especially where you know education is really where it all starts. Why is our media corrupt? Why are different aspects of our society corrupt? 
Well, it starts in education, right? So it's really there that Project Veritas is focusing on uh, now. Well, it shows you how they played the long game, right? While no one was really paying attention. And if anything positive came out of COVID, it was that parents became aware. And while I, I've been listening in as I can, I'm, I'm getting my own kids ready for bed um, right now. But um, I've already had, you know, some very influential people from Georgia ping me during this. I'd flagged it for them. And um, a couple of people have already sent it to Burt Jones asking, what is going on? How can this be happening? So this report, as often you all do, is already making an impact and a difference. And I think by tomorrow, you will see some of the scrambling with Georgia officials, even though Brian Kemp is over at the World Economic Forum. He's having a hard time with that right now. Um, he's getting a lot of pressure from constituents and personal friends for being there. And this will only add pressure. Um, so I think you'll probably see a difference, but you know, it's not, as you've exposed with some of the other states, it's not just the public education system. There are people who have been flabbergasted to find out they're paying exorbitant amounts of money for what is supposed to be the top notch school there only for their kids to be indoctrinated. And I had a friend the other day just say, you know, my daughter looked at me and said, my body, my choice. And she's 13 years old and she's at this very expensive, you know, elite school and her her mom was just like where on earth did you get that and so it's it's just you have to be vigilant and reports like your all's is so important for parents hey, hey mario if i could chime in here and uh, yeah. if anyone wants to respond to this robinson or anyone you, you mentioned Yuri bersman how to pronounce his last name yuri besmanov yuri besmanov um was that yuri the one besmanov, that said yeah. their useful idiots would be would be the ones killed in the Le- Lenin. Uh, Lenin said that. That was Lenin. the Lenin quote. Lenin. So, said so what that do we the, think? Yeah. I mean, so much of our journalism. The reason why I think people love our, our work is that it re- results in reactions mm-hmm. from the institutions. And 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 what do you think the reaction is going to be from this guy's network of of bad actors to his admissions and his honesty? I think they might disown him. Because you know, he said it quite part out loud. Yeah, they'll unperson him, pretend that he's not one of them, that he's dishonest. He's a dishonest broker just trying to make a buck, right? And that they're the virtuous ones. I think they'll find a way to just simply, you know, sweep him under the carpet. They'll pretend that, that he just doesn't represent them, that they only want, you know, equitability and social justice. But, you know, behind the scenes, he'll be consoling him, of course. You know, right. these people are two-faced. I've been on that side, right? And he has he has breached... Uh, is uh, what he has done is a cardinal sin. He has told the world what they're doing, his secrets, right? Their secrets. They well, don't like that. Well, look at this. And to your point, you're absolutely right. Because if you look at um, the other teacher we exposed a few years ago, Gabriel Geip from California, he was fired, right? From Cal- That was the guy who said he had 180 days to turn his students into revolutionaries. He wanted yep. to scare the F out of his students. Um, he really, he had pictures of Mao in his classroom, right? And they allowed it. Right? They allowed until, it until people found out about it. And until we were talking about it. And until Project they fired him. And you know how hard it is to fire a teacher in California? It's insane. Insane. Well, but well, and, and Guy ended up Guy ended up getting one hundred ninety thousand dollars from Natomas uh, School District. I think that's you know the other main thing. He actually got three times his yearly salary um, to go away quietly and to not fight it. So um, I, I just find that fascinating that you know these people can can you know, go right back into society and, you know, who knows where he's at today. We should probably follow up. Well, and what's amazing about the the work your journalist has done, James, is he is showing how these people are so intent upon pushing their agenda that they're willing to subvert democratic institutions to get it done. I mean, it's such a rank 
and purposeful undermining of what every American knows they have a right of, and that is the security of their vote to be able to say who's going to represent us and and to do the things that they ask them to do. And these people are intent upon saying that doesn't matter to us. We're going to indoctrinate your kids. We're going to do what we want to do and accomplish it the way we want to. I think that's well, the question important. is, in our society, do we want to live in that world? I think probably the vast majority of people don't. I still I still believe, like with Gabrielle Guype, we saw Republicans and Democrat parents stand up, many of them not conservative, and just upset this guy said he wanted to F-U-C-K with their children. Um, that's what the guy said. He said, I wanted, I wanted you know, to send them to Antifa rallies. Um, but I think what Ian said about this guy saying the – Ian, Ian Miles Strong, do you do – you, when you were part of this group of people, I mean – so he's saying the quiet part out loud. They're going to unperson him. They're going to disown him. Um, but it's very rare that we get to see uh, this oh, on yeah. video, isn't it? People disappear, right? I mean, they don't disappear like literally. They just drop out of the public eye, right? Because they're told to, to, to keep their heads down. They may keep their jobs. They may keep their social relationships. But they're not really allowed to speak up because the instant they speak up, you know, they're going to start leaning on them because I think what they realize is that people who have been canceled by the left have a, a, a predisposition to being, you know, absorbed into the center or into the right. You know, we see a lot of that, right? Like uh, with me, for instance, you know, when I was canceled, they tried to shut me up, right? They were like, Ian, this is a bad look. Just keep your head down, you know, like essentially telling me that I would be professionally disbarred, you know, like uh, prevented from having any future uh work really anywhere if i didn't shut up right that was that was the plan i was like no i'm not going to shut up and you guys telling me to shut up is just making me want to speak out more reach out more to the other side and you know that caused them to like really cancel me so i mean i went full bore right i i, I you know i came out as a right winger i suppose but they don't want that to happen. So they'll try to shut him up and they'll try to, you know, keep the peace with him. But at the same time, you know, he'll always feel that threat that he could be seriously canceled. Because, you know, the thing about these guys is they keep notes on each other, right? Like uh, any simple infraction, you know, you, you, you made a bad joke once, you, you did something sexist or whatever. They keep notes on you. So you tend not to want to step out of line because you know what they have on you. Just like he'll keep all this dirt on them, so they don't want that getting out either. It is, it is interesting to tell, though, that he took down his Twitter account. He yep. locked that up. It's always interesting to tell. That, that's the thing that's so outside of their actions. Like, this guy's going to stand behind what he said. Uh, you know, he's going to say, oh, I believe everything I said is right, all so forth and so on. And then they take down their Twitter account. We saw that with yeah. the Sanders staffers that we exposed. James, I, I, you know, I, I know Andy wants to chime in here. I was actually talking uh, with Andy about this story yesterday. Uh, while Quentin was actively taking down uh, his social media. So uh, I know, Andy, you want to chime in? And then we do have David Johnson in the chat. I believe his uh, his mic is, is good to go now. So uh, Andy, yes, it go is. Andy, go ahead, and then uh, we'll, we'll follow up with David Johnson and get his take as the uh, Hasbro CRT insider. Thank you. Uh, this is Andy Ngo speaking. Um, just I have a response to uh, a view that has been shared. I do not think that... Um, this individual will face any career, uh, professional, social consequences for his exposure in this video. We, we see over and over, in fact, there's quite often, what usually happens is that there's a, a rallying effect that happens when people on the left are exposed for their radicalism. They are not 
treated as pariahs, people come out and support. You can really think, you can think of the egregious example of the teacher in California last year, Gabriel, um, who, who you just discussed a moment ago. Uh, there was a lot of support for him, despite him admitting on camera, uh, basically psychologically abusing his students and radicalizing them into very militant political ideologies. Um, when people in public positions get exposed for having alternate personalities online where they express, let's say, a desire for law enforcement to be killed or property to be set on fire at riots, these people face no censure. So um, I don't think that um, Quinton's peers and colleagues will disavow him at all. In fact, they're going to go on the offensive. You can expect that the narrative they're going to run with is that this investigation is a racist attack uh, on a black man, on a black gay man, and that um, critical race theory and diversity ideology is about teaching people to better understand racism. That's how they gaslight us. Yeah, no, that's, you know, I, I hear that point for sure, Andy. I, and this is actually a great segue into David Johnson because as, uh, you know, I want to introduce him a little bit. I obviously I want him to, him to speak about who, what he did, uh, which was very courageous, but he was a whistleblower who worked with Hasbro and he saw this CRT training. And guess what? They were, tr they, they were trying to influence toys that was going to one, two, three year old children because according to Conscious Kid, it was brought in by Hasbro to train them on CRT. Even two to three year olds can be racist. And they're already this... doing this with Dungeons and Dragons, right? Hasbro owns uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and they're actually right. doing that right now. They're using their policies and forcing it on other companies that use their, you know, their rules. There you go. Sets, if you will, yeah. right? And, and you're yep. saying it has to be CRT related. You know, you can't have uh, players, you know, poisoning their minds with like this, uh, this based stuff. You know, it has to be woke. Right. Not and, those words, obviously. But no, yes. of course. And, and the thing is, Quentin Bostic himself said that his program, his curriculum is going to kindergartners. So what you're seeing here is not only that they have to indoctrinate people with their ideology, they believe that it has to happen early and very early, right? So with that being said, David, uh, tell our audience here a little bit about uh, who you are, what you did with Project Veritas, and uh, you know why you did it. That would be wonderful. Sure. Um, can everyone hear me okay? I'm not sure. Yes, yes, yes we can hear you. Awesome. Um, so like, like I was introduced, I am the, the Hasbro CRT whistleblower. Um, at Hasbro, I was an engineer and they wanted the engineer and marketing teams to push CRT through the product and the, um, the packaging, but they wanted us to do it discreetly. And the, the end goal of the entire thing was to awaken a, a critical race consciousness in children and this is why they constantly go after children is because they understand um, they understand that the older generations are more res resistant to this type of thing because they'll under they'll recognize it as a sort of Marxist philosophy, which it is at its core. But if they get to children young enough, then they can kind of teach them that, hey, this is just how we treat people of different races or ethnicities. And if you if you follow these instructions, then you'll be a, you'll be a good person. You'll be an ally. And they use this very deceptive language to kind of 
basically gaslight you into thinking that you're fighting for American values of equality and um, colorblindness when you're in fact doing the exact opposite and you're perpetuating racial stereotypes and racial discrimination. Yeah. And I, I think Andy is correct that he, this person will not face any backlash, most likely from their own groups. Um, usually they do kind of rally around these types of people and they see them kind of as like martyrs or victims. And then they'll come out and say, Hey, if you oppose diversity, equity and inclusion or anti-racism, it's because you're a white supremacist. It's because you're a bigot. It's because you're a racist. But in actuality, it's the complete inverse. It's just a very clever manipulation of language. That's... You don't think he's going to face repercussions for, you know, telling them, uh, telling us his methods, you know, like how they're doing, because they're all doing it, right? They're all doing it, what he's doing. And I mean, they don't want us to know that. I don't think so. Um, I've actually taken a few classes on how to become a DEI activist, and I have a book coming out about this exact thing. All of this information is in the open. It's just hidden behind clever language. Like DEI is a Trojan horse for these ideas. So I don't think they'll be at all bothered that he spilled the beans on how they're doing it because this information's out there. Um, I think they will just say that he was targeted by uh, some right-wing organization, and then they'll use that to just kind of discredit this entire investigation that Veritas has done. And that's to that point, uh, David, the reason why it's so important for our audience and you know for everyone listening to keep pushing the story and getting as much attention to it as possible because – they rely on people not seeing what they don't, what obviously they don't want to be seen, right? So the more people see this and the more people demand answers, the more chance of an accountability that we, you know, that everyone seeks exists, right? Uh, so that's very important. And I would, you know, and I see here that we have, uh, Heather and Adam just joined. Uh, would love to have them speak. Uh, Heather, by the way, is a wonderful person, a great friend of Project Veritas. So. Uh, please, Heather, Adam, uh, you know, take the floor here. Hey, thank you guys so much. Um, you know, great. I'm great to see you on Twitter Spaces. I don't know if this is the first Project Veritas Twitter Space. Yes, it is. It is. It is. This is the first. Yeah. This is the so first. awesome. First, of, first of many. <laughs> um, you know, if everybody, if everybody's enjoying this, which uh, you know, we've been on for a little over an hour now. Um, you know. We, we, we hope to keep doing this. Yeah, no, I'm definitely grateful you guys are back on Twitter and doing this. This is amazing. Um, one thing that I thought of when you were doing this, right, somebody had brought up another point where, um, you know, some of these teachers that you guys out, right, like they may get fired, but who's to say they don't start working for another district in another place, you know what I mean, almost sort of rebuild. You guys should really create like this Project Veritas website where parents all over the country can go and like plug in their teachers names. And if there's an outing or a previous project Veritas story, it can sort of like kind of run almost like a project Veritas background check on them to see if they've been outed before. Um, but this is some great stuff that you guys are breaking specifically when it comes to Georgia. I've spent a lot of time there. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Governor Kemp, even if everyone reached out, would actually do anything about this. This one teacher may lose their job, but a story that I remembered from about a year ago, there was actually a principal in Georgia of a, a principal of an elementary school that segregated all of the black children. 
And the reason this was brought to the forefront of the news was because there was actually a black mother who, whose daughter, um, uh, basically like they, her husband worked for the school district. And so they sort of have this ability to pick what teachers their children can go to. And so when this black mother went to the black principal and said, you know, I really like this teacher for my daughter, the principal responded with, well, that's not one of the black classes. And the mother actually filed the federal complaint against the principal. But there's this like very real threat going on when it comes to what these institutions are pushing onto our children. And I'm so grateful that Project Veritas has really launched this initiative to target what's within the schools. I mean, this is something that I I think prior to COVID, a lot of parents didn't really pay much attention to. And it was only because of all that remote schooling that took place that people were really able to see what was going on in their child's classroom. And now parents are sort of picking up um, with their responsibility of policing these institutions, because that's what we as parents, it's our job and our job alone to police these institutions. And thank you to the you know wonderful work of Project Veritas. We're starting to have eyes on the inside, inside now um, by way of our children. But I will just end with one more point. Anybody watching a story that I'm working on with a parent here in my local community, there's actually this thing called the Sora app, S-O-R-A, that is on a lot of these Chromebooks and these uh, remote platforms that our students can log into. The Sora app is sort of like this online library, but there's a lot of books in there that should not be in there. So while we're on this whole topic of education, I will I would encourage anybody listening to check their children's online login if they're in schools and see if they have access to this app. It's called the Sora app um, because there's a lot of bad content on there that is making its way into our children's minds. Uh, question about the app. Uh, is there a way to see which books they've read to, ch- you know, that they've checked out? That's a great question. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm actually meeting with the woman who's been leading the investigation into this. She's um, in my local state. I'm up in New Hampshire, so I don't, I can't really speak for other states if it even exists, but it's something that she's been really digging into. And I mean, there's some really inappropriate content through this Sora app and in the town, like right near where I live, like these kids, high school, elementary, middle school can go on. And it's like this digital portal that brings them to an online library. But in that library is all kinds of content that seems to be unregulated. And so you have no idea what kind of books your kids have access to, like through their school, right? So it's not even like if, if you're child comes home and you have, you know, you don't even let them use the internet. You don't let them have a phone. You don't let them have social media or whatever. Well, if you're sending your kid to school and they have access to the Sora app, they're getting access to a lot of stuff that parents probably don't realize is in there. You know, I I, I have to tell you, this is why what uh, Project Veritas put out today is so critical because parents, they're, they're groping for ways to figure out how to expose or at least to know what what these education institutions are doing. I mean, these people are subversive Marxists that are coming in to try to undermine families. And if you don't, you need this kind of investigative research like you're doing, Heather, Mm -hmm. like James is doing and his team, because parents are looking, they're just looking for tools and ideas and ways to stop this stuff. 
Amen. And I think in addition to Marxists, like we're talking, some of these people are straight up pedophiles and groomers. Like, let's call them what they are, because they're pushing some stuff on children that 50 years ago never would have been socially acceptable. Um, Are you talking about the butt bug guy? Oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh, God. I couldn't even watch that video. Like as a parent, like I have a daughter myself. So like when I watch some of this stuff that's going on with our schools, like it's just sort of like it gets my blood boiling. And yeah, but not just that. I, I Lieutenant think... Gov- or was it Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, right? Do you guys remember when he found out within his state they had pictures of like basically gay sex in books, like not even like censored. I mean, it had like gay sex in children's books in the schools right under his control and he, you know, let loose to the media and was just like this is disgusting. This is awful and of course the media tried to assassinate him but yeah the i guess the butt plug story was pretty bad yeah one thing heather i i know that you mentioned that i that i thought was very keen and i love the idea of this project veritas kind of uh you know website Background that kind of check. tracks these teachers you know that's uh you know that, that that might be a project we have to work on in the future but you know one of the stories that we released during the secret curriculum series actually was a follow-up to uh libs of tiktok there was a teacher in oklahoma uh tyler wren you guys might remember him uh he was an anarchist uh middle school teacher he's you know saying he wanted to burn the system down and um you know f the parents and all this stuff um he actually was at was at a school in oklahoma quietly left that school after libs of tiktok originally um you know exposed his his radical tiktok uh he ended up going to tulsa uh, you know basically 10 miles down the road got another job said that you know basically the school didn't uh you know didn't care too much nothing was going to happen as a result of him you know leaving his previous school we then caught up with him uh he doubled down on a lot of the statements that he uh that he was making and said that actually um, House Bill uh, 1775 in Oklahoma, he could actually lose his teaching license. So uh, what we've seen in the wake of that that release, uh, the Secretary of uh, Education there, uh, Ryan Walters, he's actually called recently for his teaching license to be revoked. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some follow-up on that soon. But uh, to, to your point, Heather, about these teachers, these radical teachers just packing up, going to another school as if nothing happened, um, that's a very real thing that's happening. Um, you know, there's got to be more examples out there, and that's what Project Veritas wants to do. We want to keep exposing them um, because they're everywhere. So I know Adam's been wanting to speak for, for a little while. Um, Adam, the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. So I think one of the things that needs to be discussed is like the actual law that's in Georgia, right? So Georgia probably is one of the most robust anti-CRT laws, but the problem comes with that is that you actually end up enshrining the way uh, around the law, right? Uh, by being so explicit, you actually create these uh, loopholes. And, you know, this individual, uh, Dr. Quentin Bostic, uh, works for what appears to be a um, consulting company. And you just look at their website, right? And they have all sorts of uh, interesting euphemisms for various CRT things. Um, and, you know, this is this is part of the problem with these uh, kinds of laws is like the lack of enforcement, right? The So this company may or may not be banned uh, some uh, from selling to the state of Georgia at some point. But, you know, it still stands to uh, look at this as like, you know, this is a problem that's across the board that's very broad. And I think that's a I think that's a bigger question of like this uh, recent video and, and the subsequent videos knowing uh, Project Veritas tends to come out with these things in like a drip. 
like how ubiquitous is this in the state of Georgia? Because everybody I know who's like involved in politics in Georgia constantly tell me that the that this is actually a very broad, very common problem is the uh, avoidance of the law using other terms like social emotional learning and all the rest of it. Um, and uh, because like really the, the power and the solution still rests in the legislature and the SBOE, the State Board of Education, not even the school boards at this point. Sorry, go to Veritas people. So we got it. We got some breaking news. Uh, maybe if somebody out there can uh, can double check this. Uh, it looks like the teaching lab has removed Quentin Bostic uh, from their website. So any of you guys that are that are out there want to want to double check that. But that I'm, is, uh, I'm on their website right now. I'm on their website and it's actually very hard to actually find anything on it. They're taking down pages um, yeah, all throughout their website. That's where we're, we're getting a lot of that. So um, expect more to, to can you coming out on this. No, and, and and we were just discussing this now. Like there was, you know, uh, and I think it's very a very legitimate argument about you know accountability. Will this person be held accountable? Will something happen to this individual? Right. So, you know, if this is in fact confirmed that he was removed from um, the um, from the website, does this mean that they're just going to, to Andy's point, hide what um, you know he, he, his work at? teaching lab or they are actually moving to hold him accountable and potentially remove him from his job. Right. So that would be very interesting to find out. Well, I mean, it's an outside company, right? It's a consulting shop. So like, you know, this is, it's, it's the whole shop, right? It, he has liability. So, so, it's billed as- so, so it's billed as a um, nonprofit organization whose mission is to fundamentally shift the paradigm of teacher professional learning for educational and the magic word, Equity. So we already have that word equity in there. It's a red flag immediately that there's some potential ideological motives for the organization. It is billed as a nonprofit, though. And again, it's operating in 24 states. Um, and it's funded by people like Mackenzie Scott, who is Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. So there's a lot of money. Uh, it does have apparently a lot of reach. Um, the question is, again, what is Teaching Lab's exact intentions with this individual now that uh, allegedly, he was removed from the website. And further, how many other Quentin Bostics exist within Teaching Lab? That's uh, the question that not only a rhetorical one for everyone here, but something that Project Veritas probably will be looking into. My guess is that they'll start hiding all the people who work for them. That's what some of these organizations do, right? Because they realize that organizations like Project Veritas uh, come after them. So they just hide their employees well, and in fact, uh, you, you saw this in uh, with Vanderbilt University doing a, a lot of this, uh, uh, you know, sexually altering stuff when Matt Walsh uh, revealed it. I mean, these people, they put it out in plain sight because they think they're getting by with it. But then when you expose them, they start to put it down, which is which is why it's great having Project Veritas there because they'll go down and dig deeper and find the rest of it. Like this, this is this is a real assault on our culture and on our uh, democratic institutions that cannot be let go. And that, that, you know, this is tools that parents can take and go straight to the board of education, straight to your school board, straight to governor Kemp and say, we're not going to put up with it anymore. Absolutely. Hey, Eric and uh, Mario, I just kind of curious with this news story that you guys broke, is it 
like, because I'm not familiar with the laws regarding the education in Georgia. I'm more of like the election integrity person. But like, as far as what he did, if there's a ban on what he was pushing in these schools, then shouldn't he be held ultimately criminally liable if there's like an actual law that prohibits what he did? Like, because I feel like if that's the case, then being fired isn't enough. And we as a as the public and as the parent should really make sure that he is brought to justice to the full extent of the law. Yeah. And so that's, that's an interesting thing. Um, You know, we're, we're unsure if there's criminal liability in this. Um, You know, it's more likely that it's going to be like a licensure or um, some sort of other civil um, injunction you know, that he would get in trouble for, uh, not necessarily, you know, that we're going to see him in prison over this in Georgia, but, um, what, what the legislature can do, you know, with this new law, um, will be very interesting. We hope to hear from them. Um, you know, if there's an investigation that's opened as a result of this story, um, you know, that's the type of stuff and the impact that we're always looking to make. Right. Well, the thing that they would do is they would ban this, uh, teaching labs, uh, from, doing business in the state of Georgia, right, with the uh, Board of Education. This is why the Board of Education is so important. Uh, a lot of these, like, policy violations are not uh, criminally or even civilly enforceable, right? So, like, you you do these, make these decisions by fiat. So you, you have to be able to just actually just remove them from uh, the process uh, by which that they were hired for or consulted for in the first place. Um, and that, that's why, you know, that's why these there's so many complaints about these laws, whether Texas, Georgia, Florida, et cetera, um, is that basically the, they're toothless as long as no one's actually finding out what they're actually doing day to day, week to week, right? Um, and that's why it's so important for people to just be constantly asking the questions, to be exposing it, uh, groups like Project Veritas doing the deep undercover kind of work. And here's an interesting question I think I want to pose uh, that connects the education to the political angle of all this. Um, you know, for a long time ago, and when I say a long time, it could be even, even as early as five years ago or more before the 2020 election. I always myself found Georgia to be a red state, right? And clearly in the last two election cycles, that's not been exactly the case. So, um, you know, Republicans in Georgia are probably asking, how come did Georgia go from a, a secure red state to a potentially purple state today? Uh, what, what do you guys think about the argument that People like Quentin Bostic are playing a major role in that in that situation. Well, I, I wait, 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 let I, me weigh in on this only because like the better part of the last two years of my life has been digging into the Georgia 2020 election fraud. And I can tell you that Georgia is still a red state. Like it never went blue. It never went purple. There is so much crime and corruption in Georgia. And it's absolutely disgusting, whether it's the voting machines, the ballot harvesting, um, you know, like there's so many issues. Georgia has been red since 1992. It never flipped blue. And like ultimately what happened in Fulton County, DeKalb County and a few other things um, it, it was a hostile takeover. Now, I do believe that, you know, when it comes to the overall mindset of people, there really is a cultural shift when it comes to this CRT stuff. But that's not really I don't think anyone any one person can take credit for it. I think it's a combination of like, you know, think of who's headquartered in Fulton County, CNN. Their, their headquarters for the entire country and all of their operations is headquartered right there in Fulton County, in Atlanta, right? So there's so much propaganda being pushed 
on the the people of Georgia. And to to think that the only way they could actually win those elections was by cheating really shows you that the overall mindset of people in Georgia is actually on our side. Like we have the majority, the majority of parents don't want this stuff in their schools. There's a reason, right, that there's getting there's so much pushback for these things, uh, despite all the propaganda and stuff being put out. But I, I just do want to make that point that Georgia, there's no doubt in my mind that Georgia is red right now. Mm. And just interesting take. I would say, you know, I would ask, you know, when you bring up CNN, I, that's a great point. CNN is not only the national headquarters, CNN is a global, uh, it's the largest media company globally, right? So their global headquarters is actually in Atlanta. But it goes back to my original point before a few, you know, a few, uh, 30, like 30 minutes ago, uh, where our education system really, uh, is getting these reporters educated, right? It's our journalism schools, but you know, it clearly from what Quentin Boston is saying, it's not, you know, it's too late when you're just indoctrinating, um, you know, people in the universities or even high school. He's talking about selling CRT curriculum to kindergartners. I think, and from, from my, you know, studying of these issues that it's been, a, you know, it's a, been a, a more recent push to uh, really indoctrinate kids that young. I don't think they were doing this nearly as openly 10, 20 years ago. But clearly, you know, um, when you say that organizations like CNN or other media companies that have their journalists, you know, purveying this propaganda uh, and, and this and these and this information out there today, how do they get there? And wouldn't you argue that people like Quinton Bostic promoting this his curriculum in schools got to um, influence these um, soon to be journalists that we have, you know, in our system today and probably in our future too now? So Sonny Perdue was elected uh, in 2002. Uh, and before that, like as uh, Heather was saying, that it was pretty deep blue before that point. So, you know, and we got to remember, Brian Kemp's the first governor of Georgia uh, as a Republican who wasn't a Democrat before. You know, this is a lot closer state than people give it credit for. And this is why this is why all the um, the contest uh, contesting the uh, speak, the chairmanship of uh, the Republican Party is important. Why doing all this activism is important. All this investigative journalism is important because these some of our stronghold states that we uh, have taken, uh, like we haven't taken as seriously in the past, are closer than they uh, have appeared. Especially after the COVID nineteen lockdowns and everybody moving to these freer states, you have a lot of people coming in there bringing uh, their Democrat voting patterns, and so this is why it's it, this stuff is very important. You know, you see the same thing with Texas as well. Like it's not as red as people think it might be. Um, I don't think it's going to be turning blue anytime soon. But, you know, the Democrats have the ability to actually win the majority of the seats in Texas, for example, for the State Board of Education. They've done it before, uh, even with a uh, red sweep across all the statewide elections. So you have to we have to be very serious about this stuff and making sure that we're enforcing our values through legislation and also following up on these things, because the Democrats are deeply entrenched in a lot of these areas, especially the uh, some of these uh, more agricultural states with also the uh, these growing major metropolitan areas, because you still have uh, some Democrat farming communities, um, like especially in places like Minnesota. But you also have the major urban centers where uh, they are basically deep, deep, deep blue, especially like Atlanta. Um, you know, it's not as it's not as red as people want to think it is, but. You know, Kemp is such a good campaigner, like even with Trump against him, even with 
all these other things that were uh, going against him. He was able to crush it in this past election. Um, you know, talk about the politics of it, but still it's, you know, it's a state with a weak executive branch, you know, it's a Southern state. And there's a lot of things that have to be enforced at the more local level. We have to be activists for our own cause. And keep in mind, you got to take, you know, the small seats, the, the local seats, the school boards, because that's where the Democrats, the left, right, the progressives, really, not even necessarily Democrats, but the progressives, the, the woke left, uh, they're targeting those school boards and they have a lot of financing. They get, they get the financing from, you know, uh, uh, activist organizations, much larger ones like the Sunshine Movement or George Soros. They're directly financing, uh, the, uh, campaigns for these school board positions. And, and that's where you got to watch out for. You know? And, and so it's important for conservatives to do the same, right? We need to do the same. We need to actually take those school boards and ensure that, you know, when we have one of our people running for office, a, a small local office, they need to win. So I'll, I'll just jump in here. Uh, to the point, I think it was Adam that brought up the, you know, that they're going to start hiding their employees. Uh, we're actually witnessing that happen live. Uh, so not only has Quentin Bostic been uh, removed from the teaching lab website, uh, their entire staff roster uh, is, is currently no longer on the website. Um, I believe, you know, that there was about 60 individuals, 50 or 60 individuals that were that were previously listed on there. Uh, we've got screenshots of, you know, of that type of stuff that we can share with everybody. But um, they are actively hiding. I think that, you know, uh, that point was very, very well taken. Um, I don't know if you want to expand on that, but I know uh, James Lindsay is also in here he hasn't had a chance uh to chime in yet james if you um have any thoughts uh the floor is yours hey thanks um you know i'm gonna go a little tangential from the kind of georgia politics but i mean i'll touch on it i you know i really want to thank of course veritas for exposing this part of my life has been being considered crazy for saying this is happening for five years so evidence is just so so important to get out there so i'm very grateful for that I want to kind of circle back since Tiffany earlier uh, invoked that I study Maoism. I don't want that to be lost like it's just some kind of a lore. Oh, no, you know, Maoism, that's bad. No, it's an active strategy, and it's very important to understand the reason they're pushing critical race theory so vigorously on kindergartners and first graders and children, the reason we have this evil salesman pushing it so vigorously, changing the language to get around the law is because it does a few things. It creates an activist base so that the kind of thing that we saw happen in 2020, which is the kinetic kinetic portion of a cultural revolution, can take place if it needs to under the right conditions. We understand that allies, activists, etc. The whole point of education under social-emotional learning that's bringing this stuff in is to create an activist base instead of educating. But it also sets up a situation that kind of circles back to our butt plug story, which is that the CRT makes people feel bad about their racial identity, and they're given an out by being able to adopt queer identities, which they're also being taught about, and they're given the opportunity to join gay straight alliances, or now they call them gender sexuality alliances. Will it be love-bombed if they adopt a queer identity, which is a political identity, not a sexual identity? And this is exactly, and it's very, very important to understand, this is exactly what Mao Zedong did in uh, the Cultural Revolution with children, with the intention of um, getting them to convert their parents. He didn't use race and sex and sexuality. He used various uh, Marxist economic statuses, but he created 10 different identity categories and he, he 
bullied certain kids and how the schools bully certain kids among along certain lines, whether you were rich parents or you had, uh, you know, they were landholders or they were landlords, even worse, if they were counter-revolutionaries or right-wingers specifically was listed. Um, and you would have those kids bullied and, and give them worse treatment. And then if you were a revolutionary, they gave you really good treatment. So they funneled the kids into these activist programs to get them to take up the guard, the red guard ship. And then they would send them to attack other teachers, their parents, their grandparents, to drag them out into the street and humiliate them. All the kind of struggle session stuff that we see coming from this that these kids are being subjected to. When we have parents and we have teachers and we have activists around the country searching for answers, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening is a Maoist style cultural revolution that's purposed, it's well financed. Um, I said in the schools that they're using social emotional learning, if you want to know the tricks where they're changing language and how they do it, I wrote a book called Marxification of Education this year. Uh, you should check it out. Uh, it kind of unmasks how that works. But legally speaking, there's things like ESSA, the Every Student Succeeds Act passed, passed in 2015 that mandates them to bring in something that does non-academic competency into the schools and to report back on it. And then these consultant groups go around and sell this whether it's CRT, culturally relevant pedagogy, SEL, Castle, transformative SEL, whatever it happens to be, queer theory, they go and they sell this to the schools as a means of satisfying that requirement from the federal government. So we need to be leaning on our lawmakers, and I've spoken to a number of them, 20 or 30 of them. They've never heard of ESSA, the Every Student Succeeds Act, passed in 2015. It needs to be repealed. It absolutely needs to be uh, repealed or at least amended, remove this requirement. We're not going to get back to education for basics. It's going to be education for activism until they remove the non-academic competencies. And unfortunately, our governors, our National Governors Association, our governor's wives don't know their assholes from their elbows, and they're all pushing youth mental health in this crap right now where this is all going to come in even more deeply under the radar, no matter how red a state is. So those are some comments. But this is a Maoist insurgency against the United States. And we have to treat it as such. Well, yeah, no, yeah, I think, no, that I think that that's absolutely great. Um, a great point that you make. Um, and, and Bostic says it himself. I mean, he calls himself an evil salesman. Um, you know, he comes in, sells this curriculum to the to the districts. And, uh, you know, the result is that, you know, he, he says it himself. You know, the government is not aware of it. You know, Kemp is, is not aware that he's doing this stuff. Uh, these school boards don't know what they're buying. Um so, yeah, I, I absolutely agree that, um, you know, there's this evil, evil salesman plan to, to make this all happen. And, 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 and James, I always love speaking to people who uh, have an in-depth knowledge of communism. And so that's something that I've spent. It looks like you've spent more time than I have. I've spent many years understanding this and, and speaking, you know, what um, and trying to understand exactly how, how are they so successful, right? And some, one example I want to put out there for people to discuss is exactly the butt plug example from Chicago, because not only did the media label it as we were exposing and going after sex education to make it seem like Project Veritas was the bad guy for, you know, hurting, you know, the education of these students that there's so much need and they didn't ring up butt plugs. The crazy thing is, and this happened to Libs of TikTok too, then they say that we are actually putting these teachers in danger. By exposing them. So they start alleging so-and-so bomb threat has occurred. And, Stochastic terrorism. Is right? Term they use. Can you exactly. remember like a time when pedophiles and groomers, like they, they should feel like they're constantly in danger. Like we as parents 
should make it so that nobody has the balls to freaking come out and talk to the, our children like this. Well, like, where but here, here, here's the thing, from? Heather. The thing is that they tried, in our case, they tried to say that there was a bomb threat that was placed on the school, putting the kids in danger. And that was a result of Project Veritas exposing the school. So they, 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 they change everything. No matter how, you know, uh, good our intentions were to protect the children, right? In this case, from being exposed to butt plugs as underage kids, right? But it actually transforms into us going after sex education. And then after doing that, we found some crazies in Chicago who are willing to go and bomb the school on our behalf, right? So it's that can kind I, of ability. Can I question? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, just speaking to Heather's, you know, mama bear instincts shared right now. At what point do we stop reasoning with them and we tell them enough? Enough coming into our home, invading our parental rights. Enough. We need to fight back and stop defending something that is our fundamental right as a parent. I do not co-parent with the government. Enough. You know, yeah. do that. I mean, the fact is that they are shoving out real academic work from the schools and replacing it with indoctrination. I mean, that's literally what's happening here. These these uh, outrageous Maoist uh, little dictators on on many school boards uh, involved in other ways in academic professional academic areas. They, they don't. You know, we're we're not even allowing our kids to be able to get the basic critical thinking just to make, to, to understand the validity of a logical statement. I mean, it's just a basic thing. They don't even know what the law of contradiction means that, that if something is, uh, you know, that something can't be something and not something at the same time in the same relationship. So therefore, you know, you cannot know whether uh, a male is a male or a female is a female. You, you, you get into this butt plug stuff and, think that that's appropriate discussion in a school when that's left to parents. I mean, this is the thing. They're shoving out academic work, replacing it with stuff that leads to indoctrination or a dumbing down of things to lead to some cultural result that will lead to political results that they hope to achieve. And parents need to stand up and say, that's it. You have you, Tiffany, you're exactly right. We're done. We're not having it anymore. You're getting rid of all this stuff. We're, we're, we're going to zero and neutral. We're not going to some place that you want to go on sex education. It just, we need to extract it from our education curriculum. We'll handle it as parents and then let's go teach our children how to think again. Yeah, let me let me respond to that. I think that there's so many people out there, like if you're not already following Project Veritas, then there's probably so many parents out there that have still have no idea that this stuff is going on in their, their child's school, right? Like you put your kid on the bus in the morning and you send them off to school. You think they're going to be learning math, English, social studies, science, or whatever. You don't realize that this perversion has really crept into the education institution. And it's thanks to groups like Project Veritas that if you're it, it, like, seriously, keep retweeting this. And if it like do some homework as a parent, right? If there's five parents that you're connected with, ask them if they followed Project Veritas. And if they're not, get them plugged in because 
sometimes the solution to pollution is dilution, right? Like we need to start waking up more parents and we need to, we can't use the ignorance card anymore. We can't say we don't know that this isn't going on in our school systems and we have to be the ones to sit down and talk with our children, right? This sounds foreign because they've really, you know, tried to separate the family unit here, but sit your children down and have a real conversation with them and be like, what is going on in your classroom? You know, what are your teachers teaching you? And be the parent. I think, you know, we've gotten so far separated of what real parenting looks like these days, right? Because the left is constantly trying to push women to be full-time career business women and sort of separating that maternal instinct that we have to our children to actually raise and bear children and they're trying to separate it right but talk to your kids because the number one thing that is going to destroy this in its tracks is parents that are involved with their kids life it doesn't matter what's going on at work what's going on at the news being be involved in your kids life and know who you're sending them to for six to eight hours per day, right? I mean, I just like, it's the mom and me coming out. is like, this is how we're going to destroy this crap. That's... You can't let this be normalized. I think that's the most important thing here. I mean, I think everyone in this room knows that this stuff happens in colleges and that's normal, right? It's become normal. It wasn't normal 50 years ago, but it's normal now. You know, you go to college, there's a good chance you're going to become a blue-haired freak. Right. That's just the reality of it. And it's not just the United States. It's in Europe. It's in South America. There's a big meme account in Brazil that actually makes fun of this. They show before and after photos of college in, uh, in Brazil. Same thing happened. Same thing is happening there. And, but you know, that's college, right? That, that's something we can find a workaround. Maybe. I don't know. That, that, that's a harder question. That's a different topic, right? But we can't let this become normal in high schools, in middle schools, in grade schools, in kindergartens. This is something that parents have direct control over, right? In college, it's like, okay, the kid's 18, he or she can do what what they want, right? But this is something that you have direct control over thanks to existing legislation that gives you that power to have control over a minor. And that is something they are also trying to erode, by the way. They're trying to make it so that you can't have those rights with your kids. And Can to I that ask point, a question yeah. about something about intellectual freedom? Sure. So I've heard the argument made by librarians when they fight against all these books in the libraries, like it's academic freedom, intellectual freedom. And I understand at the college level that exists and it's important. But in the K through 12 space, I would just like anyone who has an opinion to weigh in about what, like it's a government school, the teachers are government actors, what intellectual and academic freedom exists in public schools? Well, you know, it's funny because like they, there's a, they use the exact same argument of saying certain things can't be taught because they are bound and restricted by curriculum, right? There really isn't supposed to be academic freedom through K through 12, right? Uh, it's supposed to be like, you know, you're trying to learn the basics so that you can graduate and become some sort of functioning human being. And I think that's one of the things that's like uh, a bad argument. And I think that should be just pointed out constantly. Like people, you know, you don't have, as a child, you don't have freedom to do things. And that's why this indoctrination that we are experiencing is so bad because it's been sub, uh, these kids are being subjected to, you know, this woke indoctrination. And, you know, it's a, it's a bad argument for them to indoctrinate the kid 